Hello and welcome to Visiting Hours, a Northern Health podcast offering an opportunity to learn a little about the lives, work and dreams of Northern Health staff. My name's Steve and I'll be your concierge behind the curtain. Come on in and join us for Visiting Hours. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. We pay respects to their elders past, present and future embracing their rich tradition of conveying information and ideas through stories and song by sharing our stories with you. Today, we're visiting with Northern Health's Director of Clinical Leadership, Effectiveness and Outcomes, a nurse at heart, striving to make things better for patients and staff alike, and a recent recipient of the Medal of the Order of Australia. Tracy Webster, OAM, welcome to Visiting Hours. Thank you, Steve. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to visit with you. Um, Why don't you let people know uh, what it is that you do at Northern Health? I've actually got the best job at the Northern. So I'm actually the director of um, clinical leadership effectiveness and outcomes teams under Dr. Catherine C, who's our chief health outcomes officer. They're just an amazing team. They work hard, but they really value customer service. And our customers for us aren't just the patients, but our clinicians as well across Northern Health and any key stakeholders we work with as well. My role is to actually um, manage and oversee the implementation of 10 digital care pathways and help implement some digital technology as well. Okay. What does a digital care pathway look like uh, for a patient? Yeah, so what the digital care pathways will enable us to do is to collect some of the um, outcomes that matter most to patients. So, for example... If um, someone's going through cancer treatment and chemotherapy, then instead of having to have um, phone calls all the time about their symptoms, they're able to just pop them into a survey and then we can see the symptoms that are most important to that patient and we can respond. So we've um, launched one pathway for lung cancer and it means that everyone who's um, newly diagnosed with lung cancer can come onto a digital care pathway. And for these patients, it means that they get information about shared decision-making and the importance of doing their surveys. But what it also means is that in real time, we're able to collect data um, from people going through something sort of so life-changing as lung cancer, and we can hear the symptoms that matter most to them. For instance, um, how it's used is so the person at home would complete the um, survey, watch any information that's sent to them, and when they come in for their appointment with the specialist, that appointment would already know what's the main things that are concerning that patient. And Because sometimes when we go into appointments, Doctors always ask us, and I do this and I go to the GP, everyone says, how are you? You go, I'm fine, because that's the answer we all give. (laughs) It's a standard response. Absolutely. But what the doctors here have got and the nursing staff is they're actually able to see, well, I'm glad you're fine, but actually what I'm concerned about, it looks like your cough's worse or it looks like, you know, you're quite stressed about finances. Shall we go through that today and really be able to hone that appointment in into what really matters most to that patient to make sure that before they leave that appointment, they can actually talk about the things that they said while they were quietly at home with their family, um, actually putting that information a bit, what is most important to me? And it means we can provide really person-centred care to each and every person newly diagnosed with lung cancer. And we're going to do this in our first year across nine other um, different types of conditions as well. So it's oh, pretty wow. exciting. Mm. So we've obviously taken some important 
first steps on this digital pathway, but do you see anything exciting on the on the road ahead on the on that front? Yeah, I definitely do. I can see that um, that we can definitely go towards more of people being able to report that early signs of deterioration as well. That we'll be able to pick up on things like like that. So, for instance, we'll be able to. Um, you know, make sure people have got the appointments when they need it, when they've got the symptoms or are contacted as well. One of the other important tools we're doing is called the patient activation measure. We call it the PAM. And what that actually does is it can, um, so our patients fill out the answers to a survey. And from those answers, we can actually tell if they've got the knowledge, skills and confidence around managing a disease or how they self-manage things. So we know when they come into us, um, how much education they're likely to need. So for some people, it can be a new diagnosis like that can be overwhelming. So some people at the follow-up appointments may still need information delivered in quite small segments. And some people will be onto the research in that. And this tool will actually help us to decide um, and work with that patient to the level and meet them where they're at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it's not one service size fits all. It will be we're able to really tailor things to what that how confident they're feeling about managing their their condition as well. Right. Yeah. Right. I know from our chats that you're um, an extremely modest person, and you think that um, you know a bit of fuss and bother about you is is unwarranted. How did it feel when you received the notification that you were going to be getting the the OAM? So I first got an email telling me that you've been nominated for an OAM and you were nominated three years ago. And I actually thought it was like spam. So I was waiting for the link to say, click here and declare all your <laughs> bank details and everything if you want to get this. And I was like, and I didn't tell anyone because I thought, oh, maybe it's is, maybe it's not. And then I got a second one saying we haven't heard from you. And I thought, oh, I think this could be real. <laughs> so, and it says you're not allowed to tell anyone either. So I was like, oh. So I actually, I did contact them and I sort of said, uh, this is a huge honour, but I, I don't know if you've got the right person. Right. Because, you know, there's a lot of other fabulous nurses and that. So um, I actually did a bit of validation with them and they said, no, it is you. And oh, um, you'll go through a process now. And it takes about three years and they go through quite a lot of process, making sure that what's been said is accurate and things like that. But yeah, it felt absolutely overwhelming because I'm, I'm seriously an ordinary person and I just, I love nursing, I love looking after and caring for people, but so do many other thousands mm. across the world, or well, millions probably across the world as well. And of course, it's the first time it was awarded as the King's Birthday Honours. That still seems kind of strange. Yeah, I think he, he waited long enough for that job. So, <laughs> yeah, so it, it is a bit strange. Yeah. Was there a um, particular category that you were nominated for, um, for the Medal of Order of Australia? It was actually serviced during the pandemic and it was especially around setting up telehealth. Um, that was the actual part of the citation. So, um, and that would have been my work at Northern Health. Mm -hmm. So this is where I was during the pandemic. So that makes it even more special to, to know that it's come somehow through, um, yeah, the work at Northern Health. Yeah, I was pretty, pretty chuffed with that. <laughs> Why not? Now, you've not only worked at Northern Health, you've also spent some time up at uh, Kilmore Hospital and there are talks happening at the moment to actually form an amalgamation between Northern Health and Kilmore. How do you think that's going to affect the, the services that are offered and, you know, how, how's it going to be accepted? Oh, I was really excited to um, hear about this. I was actually um, nurse unit manager at Kilmore and I did a cancer project there as well. 
and I used to be a case manager up around there. So I know the Kilmore Hospital so well. And so many of our values align so well at Northern Health and at Kilmore Hospital, both because um, I've worked at both. It's just lovely. So we, we both put people at the centre of the care. The care they get at Kilmore is absolutely excellent as well. They just, because um, I was the nursing manager of the acute ward, and the care that they get up there is just beautiful and it's really, it's it's good care. But the thing that um, when I was numb up there, it was just that 24-hour support that, you, you know, you really did, did lack at times. So for me, knowing that those midwives and nurses will now have 24-hour real wraparound care to support those fabulous GPs, the GPs in that community do an amazing job to support that community as best they can, but to really for us to go in and just help lift to support that that care will be amazing. I don't quite know anything about the arrangements yet, but I know it's really positive. I've actually been contacted by a few patients and staff and they are excited because um, people know that the Northern's good mm. and that we have um, will be able to really help them carrying on delivering the care that they do that is good. Mm, it's so good to hear that there's that potential for the extra layer of support up in that, that region, which you know in the past has seen such heartache and been ravaged by you know bushfires were you ever involved in in bushfires up there yeah so this was actually the black saturday bushfires i worked for it was mitchell community health then which is nexus and we'd actually evacuated from our house in hidden valley the day before the wind changed direction and went obviously to king lake so i went from sort of evacuating to back home and then got a call from my boss to say I need you to basically go up and set um, with another lady go and set up counselling support for Marysville which was absolutely decimated the, we couldn't you couldn't get into the town and everything and I'm a nurse by background quite a practical person we had absolutely nothing and we had to go up and set up counselling and support and decide sort of what that looked like to this absolutely devastated community we worked with army. We worked with counsellors and support from everywhere. The Department of Health, um, Centrelink. We just so we got everything sort of set up, and we did that counselling and support side. So we were there organising um, the, the coaches that went back to view the ashes. And in fact, Hawaii has really been quite triggering for not just me, but many people from Black Saturday. It's almost like you're there again when you're seeing the the ashes and everything on the TV. And I've been really thinking about that Marysville community and, and the other communities. As a nurse, it was, um, I was there for about three months and I, I learned so, so much and skills that I've been able to use since. But I learned a lot about myself as well. It was quite, quite harrowing at times, but also such a privilege and just so rewarding to work with these people. I've been back to see Marysville twice. I couldn't go actually for quite a few Years, I've, I've realised that the one thing I didn't do during that time was actually look after myself and I think a lot of healthcare workers are, are like that. I think we just put so much time and energy into caring for our patients and especially times of crisis and a lot of our healthcare workers would have done this all the way through the pandemic but the one person we sometimes don't look after is ourselves and I think that's um, something I didn't do and I'm trying to be really mindful of now and Northern Health have really helped um, with that as well, encouraging us to look after ourselves and the services they they put on for us as well. But um, yeah, that's the one big learning. And I would, I would encourage every healthcare worker, no matter what your work's been, to to really look after your own own mental and physical health as well. 
We've been chatting today with Tracy Webster, OAM. Stay tuned to find out a little more about her life in the UK, what prompted her move to Australia, and will she be able to decipher some Dorset dialect? So obviously you don't originally hail from Australia. What was life like growing up for you, I'm assuming, England? Yeah, so my accent's obviously given me away because that was a really good pickup that I'm not from Queensland. <laughs> so, But um, I'm actually from um, Dorset in the south coast of England. So Lovely. I don't know if anyone's watched Escape to the Country, but it's the, the little county at the bottom that's got the thatch roofs and everything like that. Um so my childhood in England, um, probably a mixed bag. I had I came from um, split split home, quite a challenging um, time I had growing up. But um, but luckily I, I I went to school and decided quite early that I was going to be a nurse and that probably education would be my way out. Um, I've got a lovely dad there still who I love dearly, and a stepmom and some half brothers and siblings, and we miss them tremendously. Although not when they're putting about Matildas and other things like that and crowing <laughs> over us. But um, yeah. When last did you see them? Oh, eight years ago. I'm going back again at the end of this month. So, oh, um, excellent. Yeah, we oh, were going to go 2020, but obviously we were all busy then and couldn't go back for a couple of years, so I'm going back now. And so you started nursing over there? I did. I started at 18 um, on the wards in um, England under the NHS, and it was a really good training, actually. I really... Um, enjoyed that but it was back in the day where you could live in the nurse's home and have lots of lots of fun with um, other people and friends and that so and it was just a great way to to train as well so I really enjoyed that. Mm, did they still have aprons and hats and things? They did yeah so and when I did my paediatric nursing we had the white starched aprons and the enormously ridiculous hats which we all hated and I was always told off uh, writing on my apron as well and I couldn't find my notepad, so I'd write <laughs> obs and notes and go home with um, lots of details on my white starched apron. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a big precursor to EMR, I guess. It's a, it's a, it's a long, yeah. a long far removed from EMR. <laughs> it's lovely. Um, so you obviously made the, the trek out here. What, what prompted the, the move to Australia? Crocodile Dundee. So as a student nurse, I actually went to the cinema and watched Crocodile Dundee with um, another nursing friend of <laughs> mine and decided, we both decided, right, we're going to Australia because Paul Hogan was quite good looking back in those days and the scenery out in the outback was mm. just spectacular. It just looked, as you know, as a person from Dorset, uh, the outback scenery is just magnificent. So... We made a pledge that we'd go and then basically I met my husband and stayed, but it never quite sort of went away from me. And then from Crocodile Dundee in 2003 came Kath and Kim. So then I decided, yep, Australia is the oh, place wow. for me. <laughs> yeah, that was the research. So, And then um, my husband said, um, I saw an advert for um, it was Southern Health, which is now Monash Health, recruiting nurses. And yeah. he said, you wouldn't dare. And I said, I will. And then I went had an interview with them and I said, yeah, you probably won't want me. And they said, yes, we do. And then within, I think it was a couple of months, I think it was only about 14 weeks, I got fast track visa back then in 2004. We'd sold the house and we're actually out there, husband and two kids up in um, well, in Clayton. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. No, yep. no research. No, nothing. Oh. Didn't even know what the currency really was going to be or anything. We had very, very slow dial-up internet then, so it was really on a book from the library. So, Oh, wow. Hmm. 
Wow. And did your other friend come out here that watched Crocodile Under? She did. And then she met someone here and they now live in England. So they've gone oh, back. She's got yeah. her. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she got what she wanted and she left. That's she right. did. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned there uh, that you've got a couple of kids as well. What, what What's one of the funniest things you think that they've ever said or done? Oh, uh, they're both pretty funny, but I think... Um, one of our introductions to the Northern was actually when my um, youngest daughter, she dislocated her finger sleepwalking. So she came in, woke us up and said, does this look right? And the actual finger was off sideways. Oh. So, which wasn't funny, but yeah, that was our first introduction, sort of one of the early ones down to the to the Northern where they popped it back in and she had lots of hand therapy in that. Oh, but, goodness me. That's quite an introduction to the hospital. Yeah. At least she was well looked after and... Speaking of looking after, I guess, you mentioned earlier about how self-care is something often that we overlook, particularly in, in healthcare. What do you do to, to de-stress? What, what are your hobbies outside of work? So I actually go to sewing classes in Kilmore. And this is what I've been hearing as well about the um, people are quite excited about the amalgamation because I sit there and learn how to sew on a Friday evening and we have a good chat about things and that. But um, I've it's really nice. I'm not very good at it. I um, occasionally wear my clothes to work hoping that I think I hope I put that zip in properly or that button's on properly. <laughs> so um, I don't wear it too often to work. But um, I really enjoy sewing and I just love reading. So I just read anything. So And yeah. walking the walking the dogs. So that's pretty much my relaxation. That's the best kind of relaxation after all. Now, knowing that you're from Dorset, I've prepared a little game uh, where I'll say a few phrases or colloquialisms from that region and you tell me what you think they mean. I may have no idea. Oh, good. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> All right. Um, Undercreepin'. No? Okay, that's sly. Uh, Ramshacklem. It's a good for nothing. Ramshacklem. Torrididdle. Twankerton. Joppity joppity. Are you in England? <laughs> yes, apparently. Just really, really west. Um, <laughs> were you from a farming community? No, town. Oh, that explains it. Like for Dorset farmers, there's more than three meals a day. Is and there? it's dubit, breakfast, luncheon, crunchin', luncheon, namet, cramet, and supper. I think you've got the wrong country. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I love> it. <laughs> oh, moving on. <laughs> You've obviously got a great laugh. Um, what's something that people might not know about you? Uh, there's actually probably a couple of things people might not know, that I was actually on the chase and I was one of the winning contestants. So it was uh-huh. when Andrew O'Keefe did it. Yeah, it was really it was really good fun, actually. Really um, in, enjoyed that one. How long was the taping process? Oh, not long at all, only a couple of hours. So it was really good. So you go down, have an audition, and you have to actually answer some quiz questions and things like that. Mm. And then you get called back, but they film about three shows a day. So, yeah, it was really good. You don't know who the chaser is until they come out. They sort of have you in a separate part of the building and then the chaser come. We had Issa, so um, he was really nice. So yeah. Super Nerd, I think it's called. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was just absolutely lovely. And then my daughter also went on the chase and got him as well. So um, Oh, wow. Yeah, she didn't win money though, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> Bragging rights. <laughs> absolutely. And the other thing people might not know, but they might recognise the, the voice, is that I'm actually on that saving triple zero for emergencies. So on the ads, I'm the nurse in the pink um, shirts. That was filmed quite a few years ago. And um, 
it actually, that campaign, when they ran it on the TV and billboards and everything and really saturated, it actually reduced the use of ambulance by 10% across Victoria. Mm. So it actually had a substantial um, effect on the health system because that's 10% less ambulances being used and also coming to EDs across Victoria as well. And even for like the Northern, that's, you know, 30 odd patients. So that was, it was really good. And I still sometimes pop up on YouTube and other places like that where people aren't expecting me. And when the ads first come out, I didn't tell anyone. So obviously my family knew, but we told no one else because I'm quite, um, I'm not a person who like shares things or, you know, I'm quite not private, but I just don't sort of like to draw attention to myself. And um, we were told it was going to be six weeks, Mm -hmm. but the ads have been going on for years and they're still popping up everywhere. And it's still an important message today, even even today, all those years later as well, in in terms of just utilising the ambulance for those things that are actually requiring an ambulance to start with. Yeah, and it was lovely to be able to support Ambulance Victoria as well with the important work they do. And as a a nurse, um, I really wanted to make sure that we supported them. And I don't get royalties, so that's the question (laughs) I'm always asked is, do you get royalties? It's like, no. Well, I feel like we know you so much better after our chat today, uh, Tracy, and no matter what dialect or language we're speaking, it's clear to see that your love for people in general and patients in particular is at the forefront of what you're doing here at Northern Health. You constantly encourage your team, often humbly deflecting praise from yourself back to them. And while it's true that you're only as good as the team you have working with you, sometimes I think you need to remember that as a director or someone in leadership, you set the tone for the department. Tracy Webster, OAM. It's been an absolute delight laughing with you today, Um, but sadly, visiting hours are over. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. For ease of listening access, Visiting Hours is available across multiple podcast platforms. Please consider subscribing through Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts or the Podbean app to make sure you don't miss our next visit.